From Washington, VOA presents Issues in the News. Hello and welcome to Issues in the News. I'm Kim Lewis and joining me on the panel this week are Marketplace correspondent Nancy Marshall-Genzer and VOA executive producer Steve Reddish. Welcome, Nancy and Steve. Hello. Thanks for having us. Well, here are the issues. President Biden and Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy discussed the nation's $31.4 trillion debt ceiling. The meeting indicated how the two will work together going forward or fail to in a divided Washington. The Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rate by a quarter percentage point and gave little indication that it is nearing the end of this hiking cycle. The Fed is targeting the hikes to bring down inflation that despite recent signs of slowing, is still running near its highest level since the early 1980s. Representative George Santos, a Republican of New York, told his House GOP colleagues that he is stepping down from his committee assignments amid the questions about fabrications to his biography. Santos, who has admitted to lying about much of his background and has faced numerous calls to resign from Congress, was assigned seats on the Small Business and Science Committees. He told reporters that he is not considering leaving office. U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris and civil rights leader the Reverend Al Sharpton were among the mourners at the funeral of Tyree Nichols. Nichols was continuously beaten after a traffic stop by Memphis, Tennessee police on January 7th. He died three days later. His death places another spotlight on police brutality. The U.S. could soon send rockets to Ukraine, nearly doubling the firing range of Ukrainian forces. Two U.S. officials said a new U.S. $2 billion package of military aid to be announced soon would for the first time include ground-launched small-diameter bombs, a new weapon designed by Boeing. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas as part of a visit to the region in which Blinken has urged Israelis and Palestinians to ease tensions amid the bloodiest violence between them in years. Well, those are the issues, and let's get started. Well, for the first time since becoming House Speaker, California Republican leader Kevin McCarthy met with President Biden to discuss, among other things, how to avoid a default on the U.S. debt. So does it appear the two will find common ground to avoid a default, Steve? Well, if you listen to Kevin McCarthy after his meeting, the answer is probably yes. There's a glimmer of optimism an agreement can be reached to avoid that debt ceiling default. McCarthy came out of the White House meeting and told reporters that it was a good first start, that both he and Biden laid out their different perspectives. And he said, quote, I can see where we can find common ground. We haven't heard from President Biden yet, but he told reporters a day or two before the meeting that he wanted McCarthy to kind of to lay out the cuts Republicans want to make to the federal budget while maintaining that the debt ceiling is not tied to cuts in the federal budget. But what Biden was trying to do is force a debate over what government programs to cut and what taxes to raise. Biden wants the Republicans to go on the record as far as what to cut, because cutting federal spending is really hard. Most of the budget is tied up in either defense spending, which Republicans historically have been loath to cut, 
and Medicare and Social Security entitlements, such as at Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, which many Americans, especially older Americans that tend to vote, that's what they rely on. So how to cut the budget is something that Republicans and Democrats have been grappling with for years. You can see it in the size of the federal debt. How that happens is still to come. But what McCarthy said coming out of the White House and what he said later on on Capitol Hill gives a little bit of optimism that a debt ceiling crisis and defaulting on the debt, that may be able to be avoided. And the White House did issue a statement on this, and they call this a frank and straightforward dialogue. But the White House also said that Congress and the administration have a duty not to allow what it calls an unprecedented and economically catastrophic default. It said this is not negotiable or conditional. And Speaker McCarthy did talk to reporters on the Hill after the meeting, and he said he would not agree to what's known as a clean bill. And that would be a measure that would just raise the debt ceiling without any spending cuts. And Steve, you're absolutely right. I mean, the time to talk about spending cuts is when Congress is writing and debating the 12 spending bills that it's supposed to pass every year. Not now, because really what they're talking about with these negotiations is just agreeing to pay the bills for things that we've already spent money on. This is often compared to a credit card bill where you've already charged a whole bunch of things and now you're saying you're not going to pay your bill or going out to eat and having a nice dinner and then (laughs) running away and not paying the bill. So really the time to talk about cutting is when you're creating a budget in the first place, not after you've already spent the money. Yes, Biden is trying to decouple the two issues, raising the debt ceiling and creating a new budget that will cut spending or raise taxes or a combination of both. Biden is going to send his proposed budget for the fiscal year 24 in about five weeks up to Capitol Hill. So he is trying to keep these two issues separate. The Republicans want to commingle the two issues. How that plays out, we're going to see over the next several weeks to several months with kind of a deadline of early summer, midsummer, at the point where the United States cannot pay its debt bills unless Congress acts. And uh, we'll see over the next few weeks this issue building to either a crescendo or some sort of agreement before that. And it's interesting that the 14th Amendment to the Constitution specifically says, you know, the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. So there's even some debate about whether if, God forbid, the U.S. did default, if the White House and Congress would be breaking the law and violating the Constitution. So there are a lot of moving parts here. There is several ways President Biden and the administration can supersede and start paying the debts beyond the debt ceiling. But that could create a bigger crisis, a, dare I say, a constitutional crisis where you have, as Nancy mentioned, a constitutional requirement to pay your debts. And you have a congressional limit. They're the ones who make the decisions on spending money. Congress does, where they say, 
we're not going to go beyond this point as far as paying our debt. Again, we're going to see this play out over the next several weeks to months and uh, tune back in in late May and early June to see where this issue goes and how it's going to be resolved, if it's going to be resolved. Well, Nancy, inflation is still at an all-time high, and the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by just a quarter point, but also likely signal it will stay vigilant in its fight against inflation. What can we expect from them? Chair Powell was cautiously optimistic. The Fed is slowing the pace of rate hikes. It's been raising interest rates for almost a year now. It started last March, and there was a progression. You know, at one point, there were a series of three-quarter percentage point rate increases, which is very high historically for the Fed. That would ratchet it down to a half percentage point increase in December. And then this month, just a quarter percentage point increase. Chair Powell did say that the process of what he calls disinflation has begun. In other words, inflation is starting to cool, which is what we want. But the chair repeatedly said, look, you know, this battle is not over. We're not done. He said there could be a couple more rate increases this year. The markets seized on his more optimistic (laughs) words, though, and the markets were up and they're betting that the Fed is actually going to cut interest rates by the end of this year. Powell was completely noncommittal on that and said, look, we are just depending on the data. We're going to do what we have to do to get inflation down. So then why is the Federal Reserve continuing to raise interest rates and how is that affecting Americans? The way this is supposed to work, when the Fed raises interest rates, it makes it more expensive for people and businesses to borrow money. And if you can't borrow, then the idea is you don't spend as much, demand cools, and so prices go down. You know, it's the old law of supply and demand. If there's more demand for things, people have more money or they can borrow more money, then they buy more things and there's more demand and the price goes up. And if people are not able to buy as many things because they can't borrow money as easily, the thinking goes, well, then prices will fall. And in some parts of the economy, we are seeing that. There is some sticky inflation, though, in the services sector. Wages for employees in places like restaurants and hotels have gone up pretty substantially because those businesses are having trouble finding workers that they have to pay more. And that means they raise their prices more. So we are seeing some sticky inflation in the services sector. But in other parts of the economy, things are cooling down. Inflation is cooling down. Well, in U.S. politics, Representative George Santos, a Republican of New York, told his House GOP colleagues that he is stepping down from his committee assignments amid the questions about fabrications to his biography. If he does not resign, is it up to the people that put him in office to have him resign? Pretty much. He's basically got a two-year job until he faces the elections and faces the people in two years. Santos right now is one of a very small handful of people who are deciding whether or not Republicans or Democrats control the House of Representatives. Republicans have about a four vote margin. Santos is one of them. And for Kevin McCarthy to hold on to the speaker's job, he needs as many votes as possible from Republicans. One of the things as far as Santos dropping out and standing down from his committee assignments 
It's speculated that it will make it easier for Republicans to pass a resolution in Congress to strip Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar of her job on the Foreign Affairs Committee. People are mad at Ilhan Omar because of statements she made critical of Israel that some see as anti-Semitic. But Santos dropping out of committee assignments will make it easier for Republicans to stand on a vote to strip the Democratic congresswoman of her committee assignments. Democrats won't be able to point to Republicans and say, hey, you're letting George Santos on these committees. Why aren't you letting Ilhan Omar on these committees? Right now, it seems like Santos is doing some positive work for Republicans overall. He also faces an FBI probe into allegedly taking money raised to help a disabled U.S. Navy veteran get care for his service dog. And I got to tell you, in American society, if you do something that harms pets, that is anti-dog, anti-cat, anti-pet, it's going to come down on you politically. And, you know, Steve, you were talking about the voters. There was a poll done by Newsday and Siena College, and it found that more than three quarters of registered voters in Santos's third congressional district said that he should leave. Yeah, he has not committed and hasn't said he's going to do that. But the majority of the voters, more than three quarters in that poll, wanted him to go. One more thing about the legal trouble he's in. It could be quite substantial. There are some campaign finance watchdog groups that have filed complaints against him. One group says that he raised money for a recount effort for his failed congressional bid in 2020. And there was no recount. And so instead, he spent that on his 2022 campaign, which would be illegal. And the Justice Department hasn't come out and said it's conducting an investigation, but it's asked the Federal Election Commission to hold off, which would be an indication that the Justice Department is getting involved. And if that happens, there could be an active criminal investigation and he could face criminal charges. Well, it's time now for a quick break. And when we return, once again, police brutality takes the life of a young black man. Issues in the News is coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. If you would like to download the program, it's free on iTunes. Just click on the iTunes tab on our website at voanews.com issues. While you're there, check out our other programs, Press Conference USA and Encounter. Also visit us on Facebook and leave a comment or two. Then like us at Current Affairs with Carol Castiel. Now back to our panel via Skype, Marketplace correspondent Nancy Marshall Genzer and VOA executive producer Steve Reddish. Hundreds of people gathered for the funeral of Tyree Nichols weeks after an encounter with police led to his death and sparked an outcry across the country. What do city officials need to do to stop the culture of police brutality? Well, Nichols's mother is looking to Congress. She said she wants Congress to pass the George Floyd bill. Apparently, one member of Congress, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat from Texas, plans to reintroduce this legislation after President Biden makes his State of the Union address next week. And of course, this bill, the George Floyd bill, is named after another black man killed by police, by Minneapolis police in 2020. It passed the House back in March of 2021 did not pass the Senate, but it would do things like limiting the transfer of military equipment from the Pentagon to police departments. 
and also would require police officers to do some training when one of their fellow officers uses excessive force. It would also increase the use of body cameras, create a national police misconduct registry. So when a law enforcement agency went to hire somebody, they could look on this registry to see if they had been accused of misconduct in the past and maybe not hire that person. The fate of this bill is still up in the air, but apparently it will be reintroduced. Whether or not it passes is going to depend on a lot of the politics that is going on, including a Republican House of Representatives. But Vice President Kamala Harris, who was sent to represent the White House at the funeral, said that police reform is non-negotiable. It must pass. Whether it will pass is really going to be up to how the nation's politics are over the next several months. Delivering his eulogy, Reverend Al Sharpton hit on what I think is the main issue. Quote, I believe if that man had been white, you wouldn't have beat him like that that night, is what he said. This goes back to a longstanding issue here in the United States of whether or not police departments target blacks, especially black males. And it's an issue that is really on the front minds of not just the black community, but many minority communities here in the United States as to whether or not there is fair and equal treatment under the law. Yeah. And, you know, Steve mentioned that it's a big question mark whether this bill will pass. You know, we have divided government. There is a real sticking point for Republicans, and that's over an issue, the issue of individual liability. So right now there's something called qualified immunity that protects police officers from being sued. And this bill would make it easier for people to bring charges against police officers Republicans say that that would cause the police to use less effective tactics because they'd be afraid they were going to be sued. So that is a big sticking point. And the fate of this bill is very much up in the air. As well, to carry on that, Republicans in 2022 ran on a law and order, crime is too rampant, we must do something about crime platform. And if they really want to do something about crime, then perhaps taking up the George Floyd bill might be something in that direction. But the issue of crime in the United States is one of the biggest issues among voters all across the country. Even if this bill passed, a lot of it just deals with federal officers. For example, chokeholds would be banned at the federal level. But, you know, the bill asks state and local governments to pass similar prohibitions against chokeholds, but it can't specifically prohibit that at the state and local level in the legislation. So there are some limits to the bill, even if it passes. Yes. Well, let's move over now to Ukraine, where the U.S. could soon send rockets there. But the arrival of the new weapons is still months away. And in the meantime, Russia has gained momentum on the battlefield for the first time since mid-2022. What is going to be Russia's reaction to this? The Russian reaction so far is, go ahead and bring it on. We're going to keep on doing what we're doing. Well, so far, rockets can go about 77 kilometers. These new ground-launched small-diameter bomb rockets can go double that, 151 kilometers. And that would give Ukraine the ability to not just hit Russian forces that are occupying 
parts of Ukraine, but it could go and hit Russian territory and go further and allow Ukraine to penetrate the Russian border, perhaps, with these rockets. One of the things that is out there is that Ukraine is now asking for U.S. F-16 fighter jets to help cover to Ukrainian troops on the ground as they try to retake territory from the Russians. Asked specifically by a VOA reporter about whether the U.S. will give Ukraine the F-16s, President Biden the other day said flatly no. But understand that no was the first response to Ukraine's request for U.S. HIMARS rocket systems, for U.S. Patriot missile batteries, for Abrams M1 tanks. And the U.S. eventually said yes to all of these asks. So whether or not Ukraine gets F-16 fighter jets, we'll see over the next several months whether or not those fighter jets are going to be needed. And the U.S. believes that that will help Ukrainians defend their land and perhaps push the Russians out. Yeah, and the the U.S. argument against sending F-16s to Ukraine is that it takes a year to train a pilot on them. Britain made the same argument, saying it also was not going to be sending planes, that it just wouldn't be practical to send those jets into Ukraine. So we need to move on to get our last topic in. In a rare criticism of Israel, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has called out Israeli policies, including settlement expansion and home demolitions, as detrimental to the two-state solution. But he ended his trip there and the occupied Palestinian territories, reassuring Washington's ironclad commitment to the country. What did Blinken accomplish on this trip to Israel? That's a really good question as to what he accomplished. From looking at the photos and the video, it seemed like Secretary of State Blinken would have rather been anywhere else except standing with Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Blinken went a little further and outlined core democratic principles and institutions that the U.S. and Israel base their relationship on, such as the rule of law, equal rights for minority groups, free press. Not only was it designed to send a message to Netanyahu that the U.S. is not on board with various different plans of revamping Israel's judicial system, but it almost seemed like a scolding of Netanyahu in public. And Blinken then went on and met with Abbas. So far, there really doesn't seem to be an end to the current situation or any kind of fix to try and rectify it and improve the situation in the days and weeks to come. Blinken's visit was designed to send a message to Israel that the U.S. really is not on board with a lot of Netanyahu's plans in his new term as prime minister. Steve, you're right. I mean, it does really seem like things are at a stalemate. Blinken said the U.S. is hoping for a negotiated peace settlement and the creation of a Palestinian state, but that's definitely stalled and Netanyahu's government doesn't seem interested in that. That's for sure. Lincoln did announce some new aid for the Palestinians, $50 million for the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, which helps the Palestinians. But money can only do so much. They really need to make more progress on an actual settlement. Well, it's time now to find out what's been weighing on the minds of our panelists. And Nancy, what's been weighing on your mind this week? You know, I have been thinking a lot about healthcare workers this week. My sister-in-law is in the hospital. She has cancer. And so I've been visiting her and just watching how hard these people work. I mentioned earlier that the Federal Reserve is trying to 
cool off inflation and there's still some sticky inflation from higher wages for people who work in places like hospitals because there's such a shortage of workers. And I have to say, it's worth paying them more because they work so hard. Thank you. And Steve? The video release of the beating of Tyree Nichols is what's really weighing on my mind this week and wondering about our humanity and how our brains are wired. For five police officers to inflict that much punishment on one man, one fellow human, boggles my mind. And I'm really wondering where we're going as a society, how we can both work with law enforcement and put some restrictions on law enforcement as to how they treat their fellow people, whether or not they're breaking the law, committing a crime. There has to be some sort of understanding that people are people, that we're all human. And while, yes, you have to protect yourself in a situation where you are in danger, don't endanger someone else. The kind of beating that this man endured is what's really weighing on my mind this week. Thank you. And we will close the show on those thoughts. My thanks go to our panelists, Marketplace correspondent Nancy Marshall Genzer and VOA executive producer Steve Reddish. I'm Kim Lewis, and thanks for joining us for Issues in the News. <music>